Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Chapter 13 of The Legends of King Arthur and His Knights by James Knowles. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 13. Sir Lancelot and the fair maid of Astolat. Now after the quest of the Sangreal was fulfilled, and all the knights who were left alive were come again to the round table, there was great joy in the court, and passing glad were King Arthur and Queen Guinevere to see Sir Lancelot and Sir Bors, for they had been long absent in that quest. And so greatly was Sir Lancelot's fame now spread abroad, that many ladies and damsels daily resorted to him, and besought him for their champion, and all right quarrels did he gladly undertake for the pleasure of our Lord Christ. And always, as much as he might, he withdrew him from the queen. Wherefore Queen Guinevere, who counted him for her own knight, grew wroth with him, and on a certain day she called him to her chamber, and said thus, Sir Lancelot, I daily see thy loyalty to me doth slack, for ever thou art absent from this court, and takest other ladies' quarrels on thee more than ever thou wert wont. Now do I understand thee, false knight, and therefore shall I never trust thee more. Depart now from my sight, and come no more within this court upon pain of thy head. With that she turned from him, and would hear no excuses. So Sir Lancelot departed in heaviness of heart, and calling Sir Bors, Sir Ector, and Sir Lionel, he told them how the queen had dealt with him. Fair sir, replied Sir Bors, remember what honour ye have in this country, and how ye are called the noblest knight in the world. Wherefore go not, for women are hasty, and do often what they sore repent of afterwards. Be ruled by my advice. Take horse, and ride to the hermitage beside Windsor, and there abide till I send ye better tidings. To that Sir Lancelot consented, and departed with a sorrowful countenance. Now when the queen heard of his leaving, she was inwardly sorry, but made no show of grief, bearing a proud visage outwardly. And on a certain day she made a costly banquet to all the knights of the round table to show she had as great joy in all others as in Sir Lancelot. And at the banquet were Sir Gawain and his brothers, Sir Agravaine, Sir Gaharis, and Sir Gareth, also Sir Modred, Sir Bors, Sir Blamor, Sir Bleobaris, Sir Ector, Sir Lionel, Sir Palamedes, Sir Mador de la Porte, and his cousin, Sir Patrice, a knight of Ireland, Sir Pinel le Savage, and many more. Now Sir Pinel hated Sir Gawain, because he had slain one of his kinsmen by treason, and Sir Gawain had a great love for all kinds of fruit, which when Sir Pinel knew, 
he poisoned certain apples that were set upon the table with intent to slay him and so it chanced as they ate and made merry sir patrice who sat next to sir gawain took one of the poisoned apples and eat it and when he had eaten he suddenly swelled up and fell down dead at that every knight leaped from the board ashamed and enraged nigh out of their wits for they knew not what to say yet seeing that the queen had made the banquet they all had suspicion of her my lady the queen said sir gawain i wit well this fruit was meant for me for all men know my love for it and now had i been nearly slain wherefore i fear me ye will be ashamed this shall not end so cried sir mador de la porte now have i lost a noble knight of my own blood and for this despite and shame i will be revenged to the uttermost then he challenged queen guinevere concerning the death of his cousin but she stood still sore abashed and anon with her sorrow and dread she swooned at the noise and sudden cry came in king arthur and to him appealed sir mador and impeached the queen fair lords said he full sorely am i troubled at this matter for i must be rightful judge and therein it repenteth me i may not do battle for my wife for as i deem this deed was none of hers but i suppose she will not lack a champion and some good knight surely will put his body in jeopardy to save her but all who had been bidden to the banquet said they could not hold the queen excused or be her champions for she had made the feast and either by herself or servants must it have come alas said the queen i made this dinner for a good intent and no evil so god help me in my need my lord the king said sir mador i require you heartily as you be a righteous king give me a day when i may have justice well said the king i give ye this day fifteen days when ye shall be ready and armed in the meadow beside westminster and if there be a knight to fight with you god speed the right and if not then must my queen be burnt when the king and queen were alone together he asked her how this case befell i wot not how or in what manner answered she where is sir lancelot said king arthur for he would not grudge to do battle for thee sir said she i cannot tell you but all his kinsmen deem he is not in this realm these be sad tidings said the king i counsel you to find sir bors and pray him for sir lancelot's sake to do this battle for you so the queen departed and sent for sir bors to her chamber and besought his succour madam said he what would you have me do for i may not with my honour take this matter on me for i was at that same dinner and all the other knights would have me ever in suspicion now do ye miss sir lancelot for he would not have failed you in right nor yet in wrong as ye have often proved but now ye have driven him from the country alas fair knight said the queen i put me wholly at your mercy and all that is done amiss i will amend as ye will counsel me and therewith she kneeled down upon both her knees before sir bors and besought him to have mercy on her 
anon came in king arthur also and prayed him of his courtesy to help her saying i require you for the love of lancelot my lord said he ye require the greatest thing of me that any man can ask for if i do this battle for the queen i shall anger all my fellows of the table round nevertheless for my lord sir lancelot's sake and for yours i will that day be the queen's champion unless there chance to come a better knight than i am to do battle for her and this he promised on his faith then were the king and queen passing glad and thanked him heartily and so departed but sir bors rode in secret to the hermitage where sir lancelot was and told him all these tidings it has chanced as i would have it said sir lancelot yet make ye ready for the battle but tarry till ye see me come sir said sir bors doubt not but ye shall have your will but many of the knights were greatly wroth with him when they heard he was to be the queen's champion for there were few in the court but deemed her guilty then said sir bors wit ye well fair lords it were a shame to us all to suffer so fair and noble a lady to be burnt for lack of a champion for ever hath she proved herself a lover of good knights wherefore i doubt not she is guiltless of this treason at that some were well pleased but others rested passing wroth and when the day was come the king and queen and all the knights went to the meadow beside westminster where the battle should be fought then the queen was put in ward and a great fire was made round the iron stake where she must be burnt if sir mador won the day so when the heralds blew sir mador rode forth and took oath that queen guinevere was guilty of sir patrice's death and his oath he would prove with his body against any who would say the contrary then came forth sir bors and said queen guinevere is in the right and that will i prove with my hands with that they both departed to their tents to make ready for the battle but sir bors tarried long hoping sir lancelot would come till sir mador cried out to king arthur bid thy champion come forth unless he dare not then was sir bors ashamed and took his horse and rode to the end of the lists but ere he could meet sir mador he was ware of a knight upon a white horse armed at all points and with a strange shield who rode to him and said i pray you withdraw from this quarrel for it is mine and i have ridden far to fight in it thereat sir bors rode to king arthur and told him that another knight was come who would do battle for the queen who is he said king arthur i may not tell you said sir bors but he made a covenant with me to be here to-day wherefore i am discharged then the king called that knight and asked him if he would fight for the queen therefore came i hither sir king answered he but let us tarry no longer for anon i have other matters to do but wit ye well said he to the knights of the round table it is shame to ye for such a courteous queen to suffer this dishonour and all men marvelled who this knight might be for none knew him save sir bors then sir mador and the knight rode to either end of the lists and couching their spears ran one against the other with all their might and sir mador's spear broke short 
but the strange knight bore both him and his horse down to the ground. Then lightly they leaped from their saddles and drew their swords, and so came eagerly to the battle, and either gave the other many sad strokes and sore and deep wounds. Thus they fought nigh an hour, for Sir Mador was a full strong and valiant knight. But at last the strange knight smote him to the earth, and gave him such a buffet on the helm as well-nigh killed him. Then did Sir Mador yield, and prayed his life. "'I will but grant it thee,' said the strange knight, "'if thou wilt release the queen from this quarrel for ever, "'and promise that no mention shall be made upon Sir Patrice's tomb "'that ever she consented to that treason.' "'All this shall be done,' said Sir Mador. Then the knight's parters took up Sir Mador and led him to his tent, and the other knight went straight to the stair-foot of King Arthur's throne, and by that time was the queen come to the king again, and kissed him lovingly. Then both the king and she stooped down and thanked the knight, and prayed him to put off his helm and rest him, and to take a cup of wine. And when he put his helmet off to drink, all people saw it was Sir Lancelot. But when the queen beheld him, she sank almost to the ground, weeping for sorrow and for joy that he had done her such great goodness, when she had shown him such unkindness. Then the knights of his blood gathered round him, and there was great joy and mirth in the court. And Sir Mador and Sir Lancelot were soon healed of their wounds, and not long after came the Lady of the Lake to the court, and told all there by her enchantments, how Sir Pinel and not the queen was guilty of Sir Patrice's death, whereat the queen was held excused of all men, and Sir Pinel fled the country. So Sir Patrice was buried in the church of Winchester, and it was written on his tomb that Sir Pinel slew him with a poisoned apple in error for Sir Gawain, and through Sir Lancelot's favour the queen was reconciled to Sir Mador and all was forgiven. Now fifteen days before the feast of the Assumption of Our Lady, the king proclaimed a tourney to be held that feast day at Camelot, whereat himself and the king of Scotland would joust with all who should come against them. So thither went the king of North Wales, and King Anguish of Ireland, and Sir Galahout, the noble prince, and many other nobles of diverse countries and King Arthur made ready to go, and would have had the queen go with him. But she said that she was sick. Sir Lancelot also made excuses, saying he was not yet whole of his wounds. At that the king was passing heavy and grieved, and so departed alone towards Camelot. And by the way he lodged in a town called Astolat, and lay that night in the castle. As soon as he had gone, Sir Lancelot said to the queen, this night I will rest, and to-morrow betimes will I take my way to Camelot, for at these jousts I will be against the king and his fellowship. Ye may do as ye list, said Queen Guinevere, but by my counsel ye will not be against the king, for in his company are many hardy knights, as ye well know. Madam, said Sir Lancelot, I pray ye not be displeased with me, for I will take the adventure that God may send me and on the morrow he went to the church, and heard mass, and took his leave of the queen, and so departed. 
Then he rode long till he came to Astolat, and there lodged at the castle of an old baron called Sir Bernard of Astolat, which was near the castle where King Arthur lodged. And as Sir Lancelot entered, the king espied him, and knew him. Then said he to the knights, I have just seen a knight who will fight full well at the joust toward which we go. Who is it? asked they. As yet ye shall not know, he answered, smiling. When Sir Launcelot was in his chamber, unarming, the old baron came to him, saluting him, though as yet he knew not who he was. Now Sir Bernard had a daughter, passing beautiful, called the Fair Maid of Astolat, and when she saw Sir Launcelot she loved him from that instant with her whole heart, and could not stay from gazing on him. On the morrow Sir Launcelot asked the old baron to lend him a strange shield, for, said he, I would be unknown. Sir, said his host, ye shall have your desire, for here is the shield of my eldest son, Sir Torre, who was hurt the day he was made knight, so that he cannot ride, and his shield, therefore, is not known. And if it please you, my youngest son, Sir Lavaine, shall ride with you to the jousts, for he is of his age full strong and mighty, and I deem ye be a noble knight, wherefore I pray ye, tell me your name. As to that, said Sir Launcelot, ye must hold me excused at this time, but if I speed well at the jousts, I will come again and tell you. But in any wise, let me have your son, Sir Lavaine, with me, and lend me his brother's shield. Then, ere they departed, came Elaine, the baron's daughter, and said to Sir Launcelot, I pray thee, gentle knight, to wear my token at to-morrow's tourney. If I should grant you that, fair damsel, said he, ye might say that I did more for you than ever I have done for lady or damsel. Then he bethought him that if he granted her request he would be the more disguised, for never before had he worn any lady's token. So anon he said, Fair damsel, I will wear thy token on my helmet, if thou wilt show it me. Thereat was she passing glad, and brought him a scarlet sleeve broidered with pearls, which Sir Launcelot took and put upon his helm. Then he prayed her to keep his shield for him until he came again, and taking Sir Torre's shield instead, rode forth with Sir Lavaine toward Camelot. On the morrow the trumpets blew for the tourney, and there was a great press of dukes and earls and barons and many noble knights, and King Arthur sat in a gallery to behold who did the best. So the King of Scotland and his knights, and King Anguish of Ireland, rode forth on King Arthur's side, and against them came the King of North Wales, the King of a Hundred Knights, the King of Northumberland, and the noble prince Sir Galahout. But Sir Launcelot and Sir Lavaine rode into a little wood behind the party which was against King Arthur, to watch which side should prove the weakest. Then was there a strong fight between the two parties, for the King of a Hundred Knights smote down the King of Scotland, and Sir Palamedes, who was on King Arthur's side, overthrew Sir Galahout. Then came fifteen knights of the Round Table, and beat back the kings of Northumberland and North Wales with their knights. Now said Sir Launcelot to Sir Lavaine, if ye will help me, ye shall see yonder fellowship go back as fast as they came. Sir, said Sir Lavaine, I will do what I can. 
Then they rode together into the thickest of the press, and there with one spear Sir Lancelot smote down five knights of the round table one after the other, and Sir Lavaine overthrew two. And taking another spear, for his own was broken, Sir Lancelot smote down four more knights, and Sir Lavaine a fifth. Then drawing his sword, Sir Lancelot fought fiercely on the right hand and the left, and unhorsed Sir Sapphire, Sir Epinogris, and Sir Galeron. At that the knights of the round table withdrew themselves as well as they were able. "'Now mercy,' said Sir Gawain, who sat by King Arthur, "'what knight is that who doth such marvellous deeds of arms? I should deem him by his force to be Sir Lancelot, but that he wears a lady's token on his helm, as never Lancelot doth. Let him be, said King Arthur. He will be better known, and do more ere he depart. Thus the party against King Arthur prospered at this time, and his knights were sore ashamed. Then Sir Bors, Sir Ector, and Sir Lionel called together the knights of their blood, nine in number, and agreed to join together in one band against the two strange knights. So they encountered Sir Lancelot all at once, and by main force smote his horse to the ground, and by misfortune Sir Bors struck Sir Lancelot through the shield into the side, and the spear broke off, and left the head in the wound. When Sir Lavaine saw that, he ran to the King of Scotland, and struck him off his horse, and brought it to Sir Lancelot, and helped him to mount. Then Sir Lancelot bore Sir Bors and his horse to the ground, and in like manner served Sir Ector and Sir Lionel, and turning upon three other knights he smote them down also, while Sir Lavaine did many gallant deeds. But feeling himself now sorely wounded, Sir Lancelot drew his sword and proffered to fight with Sir Bors, who by this time was mounted anew, and as they met, Sir Ector and Sir Lionel came also, and the swords of all three drave fiercely against him. When he felt their buffets and his wound that was so grievous, he determined to do all his best while he could yet endure and smote Sir Bors a blow that bent his head down nearly to the ground, and raised his helmet off, and pulled him from his horse. Then rushing at Sir Ector and Sir Lionel, he smote them down, and might have slain all three, but when he saw their faces his heart forbade him. Leaving them therefore on the field, he hurled into the thickest of the press, and did such feats of arms as never were beheld before and Sir Lavaine was with him through it all, and overthrew ten knights. But Sir Lancelot smote down more than thirty, and most of them knights of the round table. Then the king ordered the trumpets to blow for the end of the tourney, and the prize to be given by the heralds to the knight with the white shield who bore the red sleeve. But ere Sir Lancelot was found by the heralds, came the King of the Hundred Knights, the King of North Wales, the King of Northumberland, and Sir Galahout, and said to him, Fair knights, God bless thee, for much have ye done this day for us, wherefore we pray ye come with us, and receive the honour and the prize, as ye have worshipfully deserved it. My fair lords, said Sir Lancelot, Wit ye well, if I have deserved thanks, I have sore bought them, for I am like never to escape with my life. Therefore I pray ye, let me depart, for I am sore hurt. I take no thought of honour, for I had rather rest me than be lord of all the world. And therewith he groaned piteously, 
and rode a great gallop away from them and sir lavaine rode after him sad at heart for the broken spear still stuck fast in sir lancelot's side and the blood streamed sorely from the wound anon they came near a wood more than a mile from the lists where he knew he could be hidden then said he to sir lavaine o gentle knight help me to pull out this spearhead from my side for the pain thereof nigh killeth me dear lord said he i fain would help ye but i dread to draw it forth lest ye should die for loss of blood i charge you as you love me said sir lancelot draw it out so they dismounted and with a mighty wrench sir lavaine drew the spear forth from sir lancelot's side whereat he gave a marvellous great shriek and ghastly groan and all his blood leaped forth in a full stream then he sank swooning to the earth with a visage pale as death alas cried sir lavaine what shall i do now and then he turned his master's face toward the wind and sat by him nigh half an hour while he lay quiet as one dead but at the last he lifted up his eyes and said i pray ye bear me on my horse again and lead me to a hermit who dwelleth within two miles hence for he was formerly a knight of arthur's court and now hath mighty skill in medicine and herbs though with great pain sir lavaine got him on his horse and led him to the hermitage within the wood beside a stream and knocked he with his spear upon the door and prayed to enter at that a child came out to whom he said fair child pray the good man thy master to come hither and let in a knight who is sore wounded anon came out the knight hermit whose name was sir baldwin and asked who is this wounded knight i know not said sir lavaine save that he is the noblest knight i ever met with and hath done this day such marvellous deeds of arms against king arthur that he hath won the prize of the tourney then the hermit gazed long on sir lancelot and hardly knew him so pale he was with bleeding yet said he at the last who art thou lord sir lancelot answered feebly i am a stranger knight adventurous who laboureth through many realms to win worship why hidest thou thy name dear lord from me cried sir baldwin for in sooth i know thee now to be the noblest knight in all the world my lord sir lancelot du lac with whom i long had fellowship at the round table since ye know me fair sir said he i pray ye for christ's sake to help me if ye may doubt not replied he that ye shall live and fare right well then he staunched his wound and gave him strong medicines and cordials till he was refreshed from his faintness and came to himself again now after the jousting was done king arthur held a feast and asked to see the knight with the red sleeve that he might take the prize so they told him how that knight had ridden from the field wounded nigh to death these be the worst tidings i have heard for many years cried out the king i would not for all my kingdom he were slain then all men asked know ye him lord i may not tell ye at this time said he but would to god we had good tidings of him then sir gawain prayed leave to go and seek that knight 
which the king gladly gave him. So forthwith he mounted and rode many leagues round Camelot, but could hear no tidings. Within two days thereafter King Arthur and his knights returned from Camelot, and Sir Gawain chanced to lodge at Astolat in the house of Sir Bernard. And there came in the fair Elaine to him, and prayed him news of the tournament, and who won the prize. A knight with a white shield, said he, who bare a red sleeve in his helm, smote down all comers, and won the day. At that the visage of Elaine changed suddenly from white to red, and heartily she thanked Our Lady. Then said Sir Gawain, Know ye that knight? And urged her till she told him that it was her sleeve he wore. So Sir Gawain knew it was for love that she had given it, and when he heard she kept his proper shield, he prayed to see it. As soon as it was brought, he saw Sir Lancelot's arms thereon, and cried, Alas, now am I heavier of heart than ever yet. Wherefore? said the fair Elaine. Fair damsel, answered he, know ye not that the knight ye love is of all knights the noblest of the world, Sir Lancelot du Lac? With all my heart I pray ye may have joy of each other but hardly dare I think that ye shall see him in this world again, for he is so sore wounded he may scarcely live, and is gone out of sight where none can find him. Then was Elaine nigh mad with grief and sorrow, and with piteous words she prayed her father that she might go seek Sir Lancelot and her brother. So in the end her father gave her leave, and she departed. And on the morrow came Sir Gawain to the court, and told how he had found Sir Lancelot's shield in Elaine's keeping, and how it was her sleeve which he had worn, whereat all marvelled, for Sir Lancelot had done for her more than he had ever done for any woman. But when Queen Guinevere heard it, she was beside herself with wrath, and sending privily for Sir Bors, who sorrowed sorely that through him Sir Lancelot had been hurt. "'Have ye now heard?' said she how falsely sir lancelot hath betrayed me i beseech thee madam said he speak not so for else i may not hear thee shall i not call him traitor cried she who hath worn another lady's token at the jousting be sure he did it madam for no ill intent replied sir bors but that he might be better hidden for never did he in that wise before now shame on him and thee who wouldst help him cried the queen madam say what ye will said he but i must haste to seek him and god send me soon good tidings of him so with that he departed to find sir lancelot now elaine had ridden with full haste from astolat and came to camelot and there she sought throughout the country for any news of lancelot and so it chanced that Sir Lavaine was riding near the hermitage to exercise his horse, and when she saw him she ran up and cried aloud, How doth my lord Sir Lancelot fare? Then said Sir Lavaine, marvelling greatly, How know ye my lord's name, fair sister? So she told him how Sir Gawain had lodged with Sir Bernard, and knew Sir Lancelot's shield. Then prayed she to see his lord forthwith, and when she came to the hermitage, and found him lying there sore, sick, and bleeding, she swooned for sorrow. Anon, as she revived, Sir Lancelot kissed her, and said, Fair maid, I pray ye take comfort, for by God's grace I shall be shortly whole of this wound. 
and if ye be come to tend me, I am heartily bounden to your great kindness. Yet was he sore vexed to hear Sir Gawain had discovered him, for he knew Queen Guinevere would be full wroth because of the red sleeve. Though Elaine rested in the hermitage, and ever night and day she watched and waited on Sir Lancelot, and would let none other tend him, and as she saw him more, the more she set her love upon him, and could by no means withdraw it. Then said Sir Lancelot to Sir Lavaine, I pray thee set some to watch for the good knight Sir Bors, for as he hurt me, so will he surely seek for me. Now Sir Bors by this time had come to Camelot, and was seeking for Sir Lancelot everywhere, so Sir Lavaine soon found him, and brought him to the hermitage. And when he saw Sir Lancelot pale and feeble, he wept for pity and sorrow that he had given him that grievous wound. "'God send thee a right speedy cure, dear lord,' said he, "'for I am of all men most unhappy to have wounded thee, who art our leader, and the noblest knight in all the world.' "'Fair cousin,' said Sir Lancelot, "'be comforted, for I have but gained what I sought, and it was through pride that I was hurt.' for had I warned ye of my coming, it had not been. Wherefore let us speak of other things. Though they talked long together, and Sir Bors told him of the queen's anger, then he asked Sir Lancelot, Was it from this maid who tendeth you so lovingly ye had the token? Yea, said Sir Lancelot, and would I could persuade her to withdraw her love from me. Why should ye do so? said Sir Bors for she is passing fair and loving. I would to heaven ye could love her. That may not be, replied he, but it repenteth me in sooth to grieve her. Then they talked of other matters, and of the great jousting at all hallowtide next coming between King Arthur and the King of North Wales. Abide with me till then, said Sir Lancelot, for by that time I trust to be all whole again, and we will go together. So Elaine, daily and nightly tending him, within a month he felt so strong he deemed himself full cured. Then on a day when Sir Bors and Sir Lavaine were from the hermitage, and the night hermit was also gone forth, Sir Lancelot prayed Elaine to bring him some herbs from the forest. When she was gone, he rose and made haste to arm himself, and try if he were whole enough to joust, and mounted on his horse, which was fresh with lack of labour for so long a time. But when he set his spear in the rest, and tried his armour, the horse bounded and leaped beneath him, so that Sir Lancelot strained to keep him back, and therewith his wound, which was not wholly healed, burst forth again, and with a mighty groan he sank down swooning on the ground. At that came Fairy Lane, and wept and piteously moaned to see him lying so, and when Sir Bors and Sir Lavaine came back she called them traitors to let him rise, or to know any rumour of the tournament. Anon the hermit returned, and was wroth to see Sir Lancelot risen, but within a while he recovered him from his swoon, and staunched the wound. Then Sir Lancelot told him how he had risen of his own will to assay his strength for the tournament. But the hermit bade him rest, and let Sir Bors go alone, for else would he sorely peril his life. And Elaine, with tears, prayed him in the same wise, so that Sir Lancelot, in the end, consented. 
So Sir Bors departed to the tournament, and there he did such feats of arms that the prize was given between him and Sir Gawain, who did like valiantly. And when all was over, he came back and told Sir Lancelot, and found him so nigh well that he could rise and walk. And within a while thereafter he departed from the hermitage, and went with Sir Bors, Sir Lavaine, and Fair Elaine to Astolat, where Sir Bernard joyfully received them. But after they had lodged there a few days, Sir Lancelot and Sir Bors must needs depart and return to King Arthur's court. So when Elaine knew Sir Lancelot must go, she came to him and said, Have mercy on me, fair knight, and let me not die for your love. Then said Sir Lancelot, very sad at heart, Fair maid, what would ye that I should do for you? If I may not be your wife, dear lord, she answered, I must die. Alas, said he, I pray heaven that may not be for in sooth I may not be your husband. But fain would I show ye what thankfulness I can for all your love and kindness to me, and ever will I be your knight, fair maiden, and if it chance that ye shall ever wed some noble knight, right heartily will I give ye such a dower as half my lands will bring. Alas, what shall that aid me? answered she, for I must die and therewith she fell to the earth in a deep swoon. Then was Sir Lancelot passing heavy of heart, and said to Sir Bernard and Sir Lavaine, What shall I do for her? Alas, said Sir Bernard, I know well that she will die for your sake. And Sir Lavaine said, I marvel not that she so sorely mourneth your departure, for truly I do as she doth, and since I once have seen you, Lord, I cannot leave you. So anon, with a full sorrowful heart, Sir Lancelot took his leave, and Sir Lavaine rode with him to the court, and King Arthur and the knights of the round table joyed greatly to see him whole of his wound, but Queen Guinevere was sorely wroth, and neither spake with him nor greeted him. Now when Sir Lancelot had departed, the maid of Astolat could neither eat nor drink nor sleep for sorrow, and having thus endured ten days, she felt within herself that she must die. Then sent she for a holy man, and was shriven and received the sacrament. But when he told her she must leave her earthly thoughts, she answered, Am I not an earthly woman? What sin is it to love the noblest knight of all the world? And by my truth I am not able to withstand the love whereof I die. Wherefore I pray the High Father of Heaven to have mercy on my soul. Then she besought Sir Bernard to indite a letter as she should devise, and said, When I am dead, put this within my hand, and dress me in my fairest clothes and lay me in a barge all covered with black samite, and steer it down the river till it reach the court. Thus, Father, I beseech thee, let it be. Then, full of grief, he promised her it should be so. And anon she died, and all the household made bitter lamentation over her. Then did they as she had desired, and laid her body richly dressed upon a bed within the barge, and a trusty servant steered it down the river towards the court. 
Now King Arthur and Queen Guinevere sat at a window of the palace, and saw the barge come floating with the tide, and marvelled what was laid therein, and sent a messenger to see, who soon returning prayed them to come forth. When they came to the shore they marvelled greatly, and the king asked of the serving-men who steered the barge what this might mean. But he made signs that he was dumb, and pointed to the letter in the damsel's hands. So King Arthur took the letter from the hand of the corpse, and found thereon written, To the noble knight, Sir Lancelot du Lac. Then was Sir Lancelot sent for, and the letter read aloud by a clerk, and thus it was written, Most noble knight, my lord Sir Lancelot, now hath death for ever parted us. I whom men call the maid of Astolat set my love upon you, and have died for your sake. This is my last request, that ye pray for my soul, and give me burial. Grant me this, Sir Lancelot, as thou art a peerless knight. At these words the queen and all the knights wept sore for pity. Then said Sir Lancelot, My lord, I am right heavy for the death of this fair damsel, and God knoweth that right unwillingly I caused it, for she was good as she was fair, and much was I beholden to her. But she loved me beyond measure, and asked me that I could not give her. Ye might have shown her gentleness enough to save her life, answered the queen. Madam, said he, she would but be repaid by my taking her to wife, and that I could not grant her, for love cometh of the heart, and not by constraint. That is true, said the king, for love is free. I pray you, said Sir Lancelot, let me now grant her last asking to be buried by me. So on the morrow he caused her body to be buried richly and solemnly, and ordained masses for her soul, and made great sorrow over her. Then the queen sent for Sir Lancelot, and prayed his pardon for her wrath against him without cause. "'This is not the first time it hath been so,' answered he. "'Yet must I ever bear with ye, and so do I now forgive you.' So Queen Guinevere and Sir Lancelot were made friends again, but anon such favour did she show him, as in the end brought many evils on them both and all the realm. End of chapter 13 Recording by Thomas Rose Chapter 14 of the Legends of King Arthur and His Knights by James Nobles. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 14 The War Between King Arthur and Sir Lancelot, and the Death of King Arthur. Within a while thereafter was a jousting at the court wherein Sir Lancelot won the prize, and two of those he smote down were Sir Agravaine, the brother of Sir Gawain, and Sir Modred, his false brother, King Arthur's son by Bellicent. And because of his victory they hated Sir Lancelot, and sought how they might injure him. So on a night when King Arthur was hunting in the forest, and the queen sent for Sir Lancelot to her chamber, they too espied him, and thinking now to make a scandal and a quarrel between Lancelot and the king, they found twelve others, 
and said Sir Lancelot was ever now in the queen's chamber, and King Arthur was dishonoured. Then all armed, they came suddenly round the queen's door, and cried, Traitor, now art thou taken. Madam, we be betrayed, said Sir Lancelot, yet shall my life cost these men dear. Then did the queen weep sore, and dismally she cried, Alas, there is no armour here whereby ye might withstand so many, wherefore ye will be slain, and I be burnt for the dread crime they will charge on me. But while she spake, the shouting of the knights was heard without, Traitor, come forth, for now thou art snared. Better were twenty deaths at once than this vile outcry, said Sir Lancelot. Then he kissed her, and said, Most noble lady, I beseech ye, as I have ever been your own true knight, take courage, pray for my soul, if I be now slain, and trust my faithful friends Sir Bors and Sir Lavaine to save you from the fire. But ever bitterly she wept and moaned and cried, Would God that they would take and slay me, and that thou couldst escape. That shall never be, said he and wrapping his mantle round his arm, he unbarred the door a little space, so that but one could enter. Then first rushed in Sir Chalance, a full strong knight, and lifted up his sword to smite Sir Lancelot, but lightly he avoided him, and struck Sir Chalance with his hand such a sore buffet on the head as felled him dead upon the floor. Then Sir Lancelot pulled in his body, and barred the door again, and dressed himself in his armour, and took his drawn sword in his hand. But still the knights cried mightily without the door, Traitor, come forth! Be silent and depart, replied Sir Lancelot, for be ye sure ye will not take me, and to-morrow will I meet ye face to face before the king. Ye shall have no such grace, they cried, but we will slay thee, or take thee as we list. Then save yourselves who may, he thundered, and therewith suddenly unbarred the door, and rushed forth at them. And at the first blow he slew Sir Agravaine, and after him twelve other knights, with twelve more mighty buffets, and none of all escaped him save Sir Modred, who, sorely wounded, fled away for life then returned he to the queen and said now madam will i depart and if ye be in any danger i pray ye come to me surely i will stay here for i am queen she answered yet if to-morrow any harm come to me i trust to thee for rescue have ye no doubt of me said he for ever while i live am i your own true knight therewith he took his leave and went and told Sir Bors and all his kindred of this adventure. "'We will be with thee in this quarrel,' said they all, "'and if the queen be sentenced to the fire, we certainly will save her.' Meanwhile Sir Modred, in great fear and pain, fled from the court, and rode until he found King Arthur, and told him all that had befallen. But the king would scarce believe him, till he came and saw the bodies of Sir Agravaine and all the other knights. Then felt he in himself that all was true, and with his passing grief his heart nigh broke. Alas, cried he, now is the fellowship of the round table forever broken. Yea, woe is me, I may not with my honour spare my queen. 
anon it was ordained that queen guinevere should be burned to death because she had dishonoured king arthur but when sir gawain heard thereof he came before the king and said my lord i counsel thee be not too hasty in this matter but stay the judgment of the queen for a season for it may well be that sir launcelot was in her chamber for no evil seeing she is greatly beholden to him for so many deeds done for her sake and peradventure she had sent to him to thank him and did it secretly that she might avoid slander but the king answered full of grief alas i may not help her she is judged as any other woman then he required sir gawain and his brethren sir gaharis and sir gareth to be ready to bear the queen to-morrow to the place of execution nay noble lord replied sir gawain that can i never do for neither will my heart suffer me to see the queen die nor shall men ever say i was of your counsel in this matter then said his brothers ye may command us to be there but since it is against our will we will be without arms that we may do no battle against her so on the morrow was queen guinevere led forth to die by fire and a mighty crowd was there of knights and nobles armed and unarmed and all the lords and ladies wept sore at that piteous sight then was she shriven by a priest and the men came nigh to bind her to the stake and light the fire at that sir launcelot's spies rode hastily and told him and his kindred who lay hidden in a wood hard by and suddenly with twenty knights he rushed into the midst of all the throng to rescue her but certain of king arthur's knights rose up and fought with them and there was a full great battle and confusion and sir launcelot drave fiercely here and there among the press and smote on every side and at every blow struck down a knight so that many were slain by him and his fellows then was the queen set free and caught up on sir launcelot's saddle and fled away with him and all his company to the castle of la joyous guard now so it chanced that in the turmoil of the fighting sir launcelot had unawares struck down and slain the two good knights sir gareth and sir gaharis knowing it not for he fought wildly and saw not that they were unarmed when king arthur heard thereof and of all that battle and the rescue of the queen he sorrowed heavily for those good knights and was passing wroth with launcelot and the queen but when sir gawain heard of his brethren's death he swooned for sorrow and wrath for he wist that sir launcelot had killed them in malice and as soon as he recovered he ran into the king and said lord king and uncle hear this oath which now i swear that from this day i will not fail sir launcelot till one of us hath slain the other and now unless ye haste to war with him that we may be avenged will i myself alone go after him then the king full of wrath and grief agreed thereto and sent letters throughout the realm to summon all his knights and went with a vast army to besiege the castle of la joyous guard and sir launcelot with his knights mightily defended it but never would he suffer any to go forth and attack one of the king's army for he was right loath to fight against him so when fifteen weeks were past and king arthur's army wasted itself in vain against the castle for it was passing strong 
it chanced upon a day sir lancelot was looking from the walls and espied king arthur and sir gawain close beside come forth sir lancelot said king arthur right fiercely and let us two meet in the midst of the field god forbid that i should encounter with thee lord for thou didst make me a knight replied sir lancelot then cried sir gawain shame on thee traitor and false knights yet be ye well assured we will regain the queen and slay thee and thy company yea double shame on ye to slay my brother gaheris unarmed sir gareth also who loved ye so well for that treachery be sure i am thine enemy till death alas cried sir lancelot that i hear such tidings for i knew not i had slain those noble knights and right sorely now do i repent it with a heavy heart yet abate thy wrath sir gawain for ye know full well i did it by mischance for i loved them ever as my own brothers thou liest false recreant cried sir gawain fiercely at that sir lancelot was wroth and said i see well thou art now mine enemy and that there can be no more peace with thee or with my lord the king else would i gladly give back the queen then the king would fain have listened to sir lancelot for more than all his own wrong did he grieve at the sore waste and damage of the realm but sir gawain persuaded him against it and ever cried out foully on sir lancelot when sir bors and the other knights of lancelot's party heard the fierce words of sir gawain they were passing wroth and prayed to ride forth and be avenged on him for they were weary of so long waiting to no good and in the end sir lancelot with a heavy heart consented so on the morrow the hosts on either side met in the field and there was a great battle and sir gawain prayed his knights chiefly to set upon sir lancelot but sir lancelot commanded his company to forbear king arthur and sir gawain so the two armies jousted together right fiercely and sir gawain proffered to encounter with sir lionel and overthrew him but sir bors and sir blamor and sir palamedes who were on sir lancelot's side did great feats of arms and overthrew many of king arthur's knights then the king came forth against sir lancelot but sir lancelot forbore him and would not strike again at that sir bors rode up against the king and smote him down but sir lancelot cried touch him not on pain of thy head and going to king arthur he alighted and gave him his own horse saying my lord i pray thee forbear this strife for it can bring to neither of us any honour and when king arthur looked on him the tears came to his eyes as he thought of his noble courtesy and he said within himself alas that ever this war began but on the morrow sir gawain led forth the army again and sir bors commanded on sir lancelot's side and they two struck together so fiercely that both fell to the ground sorely wounded and all the day they fought till night fell and many were slain on both sides yet in the end neither gained the victory but by now the fame of this fierce war spread through all christendom and when the pope heard thereof he sent a bull and charged king arthur to make peace with lancelot and receive back queen guinevere 
and for the offence imputed to her absolution should be given by the pope thereto would king arthur straightway have obeyed but sir gawain ever urged him to refuse when sir lancelot heard thereof he wrote thus to the king it was never in my thought lord to withhold thy queen from thee but since she was condemned for my sake to death i deemed it but a just and knightly part to rescue her therefrom wherefore i recommend me to your grace and within eight days will i come to thee and bring the queen in safety then within eight days as he had said sir lancelot rode from out the castle with queen guinevere and a hundred knights for company each carrying an olive branch in sign of peace and so they came to the court and found king arthur sitting on his throne with sir gawain and many other knights around him and when sir lancelot entered with the queen they both kneeled down before the king anon sir lancelot rose and said my lord i have brought hither my lady the queen again as right requireth and by commandment of the pope and you i pray ye take her to your heart again and forget the past for myself i may ask nothing and for my sin i shall have sorrow and sore punishment yet i would to heaven i might have your grace but ere the king could answer for he was moved with pity at his words sir gawain cried aloud let the king do as he will but be sure sir lancelot thou and i shall never be accorded while we live for thou hast slain my brethren traitorously and unarmed as heaven is my help replied sir lancelot i did it ignorantly for i loved them well and while i live i shall bewail their death but to make war with me were no avail for i must needs fight with thee if thou assailest and peradventure i might kill thee also which i were right loath to do i will forgive thee never cried sir gawain and if the king accordeth with thee he shall lose my service then the knights who stood near tried to reconcile sir gawain to sir lancelot but he would not hear them though at the last sir lancelot said since peace is vain i will depart lest i bring more evil on my fellowship and as he turned to go the tears fell from him and he said alas most noble christian realm which i have loved above all others now shall i see thee never more then said he to the queen madam now must i leave ye and this noble fellowship for ever and i beseech ye pray for me and if ye ever be defamed of any let me hear thereof and as i have been ever thy true knight in right and wrong so will i be again with that he kneeled and kissed king arthur's hands and departed on his way and there was none in all that court save sir gawain alone but wept to see him go though he returned with all his knights to the castle of la joyous guard and for his sorrow's sake he named it dolores guard thenceforth anon he left the realm and went with many of his fellowship beyond the sea to france and there divided all his lands among them equally he sharing but as the rest and from that time forward peace had been between him and king arthur but for sir gawain who left the king no rest 
but constantly persuaded him that Lancelot was raising mighty hosts against him. Though in the end his malice overcame the king, who left the government in charge of Modred, and made him guardian of the queen, and went with a great army to invade Sir Lancelot's lands. Yet Sir Lancelot would make no war upon the king, and sent a message to gain peace on any terms King Arthur chose. But Sir Gawain met the herald ere he reached the king, and sent him back with taunting and bitter words. Whereat Sir Lancelot sorrowfully called his knights together, and fortified the castle of Benwick, and there was shortly besieged by the army of King Arthur. And every day Sir Gawain rode up to the walls and cried out foully on Sir Lancelot, till upon a time Sir Lancelot answered him that he would meet him in the field and put his boasting to the proof. So it was agreed on both sides that there should none come nigh them nor separate them till one had fallen or yielded, and they too rode forth. Then did they wheel their horses apart, and turning came together as it had been thunder, so that both horses fell, and both their lances broke. At that they drew their swords, and set upon each other fiercely with passing grievous strokes. Now Sir Gawain had through magic a marvellous great gift, for every day from morning till noon his strength waxed to the might of seven men, but after that waned to his natural force therefore till noon he gave sir lancelot many mighty buffets which scarcely he endured yet greatly he forbore sir gawain for he was aware of his enchantment and smote him slightly till his own knights marvelled but after noon sir gawain's strength sank fast and then with one full blow sir lancelot laid him on the earth then sir gawain cried out Turn not away, thou traitor knight, but slay me if thou wilt, or else I will arise and fight with thee again some other time. Sir knight, replied Sir Launcelot, I never yet smote a fallen man. At that they bore Sir Gawain sorely wounded to his tent, and King Arthur withdrew his men, for he was loath to shed the blood of so many knights of his own fellowship but now came tidings to king arthur from across the sea which caused him to return in haste for thus the news ran that no sooner was sir modred set up in his regency than he had forged false tidings from abroad that the king had fallen in a battle with sir launcelot whereat he had proclaimed himself the king and had been crowned at canterbury where he had held a coronation feast for fifteen days then he had gone to winchester where queen guinevere abode and had commanded her to be his wife whereto for fear and sore perplexity she had feigned consent but under pretext of preparing for the marriage had fled in haste to london and taken shelter in the tower fortifying it and providing it with all manner of victuals and defending it against sir modred and answering to all his threats that she would rather slay herself than be his queen. Thus was it written to King Arthur. Then in passing great wrath and haste he came with all his army swiftly back from France, and sailed to England. But when Sir Modred heard thereof, he left the tower, and marched with all his host to meet the king at Dover. 
Then fled Queen Guinevere to Amesbury, to a nunnery, and there she clothed herself in sackcloth, and spent her time in praying for the king, and in good deeds and fasting. And in that nunnery evermore she lived, sorely repenting and mourning for her sin, and for the ruin she had brought on all the realm. And there anon she died. And when Sir Lancelot heard thereof, he put his knightly armor off, and bade farewell to all his kin, and went a mighty pilgrimage for many years, and after lived a hermit till his death. When Sir Modred came to Dover, he found King Arthur and his army but just landed, and there they fought a fierce and bloody battle, and many great and noble knights fell on both sides. But the king's side had the victory, for he was beyond himself with might and passion, and all his knights so fiercely followed him, that in spite of all their multitude, they drove Sir Modred's army back with fearful wounds and slaughter, and slept that night upon the battlefield. But Sir Gawain was smitten by an arrow in the wound Sir Lancelot gave him, and wounded to the death. Then was he borne to the king's tent, and King Arthur sorrowed over him, as it had been his own son. "'Alas,' said he, "'in Sir Lancelot and in you I had my greatest earthly joy, and now is all gone from me.' And Sir Gawain answered with a feeble voice, "'My lord and king, I know well my death is come, and through my own wilfulness, for I am smitten in the wound Sir Lancelot gave me.' alas that i have been the cause of all this war for but for me thou hadst been now at peace with lancelot and then had modred never done this treason i pray ye therefore my dear lord be now agreed with lancelot and tell him that although he gave me my death wound it was through my own seeking wherefore i beseech him to come back to england and here to visit my tomb and pray for my soul when he had thus spoken, Sir Gawain gave up his ghost, and the king grievously mourned for him. Then they told him that the enemy had camped on Barham Downs, whereat with all his hosts he straightway marched there, and fought again a bloody battle, and overthrew Sir Modred utterly. Howbeit he raised yet another army, and retreating ever from before the king, increased his numbers as he went till at the farthest west in Leoness he once more made a stand. Now on the night of Trinity Sunday, being the eve of the battle, King Arthur had a vision, and saw Sir Gawain in a dream, who warned him not to fight with Modred on the morrow, else he would be surely slain, and prayed him to delay till Lancelot and his knights should come to aid him. So when King Arthur woke, he told his lords and knights that vision, and all agreed to wait the coming of Sir Lancelot. Then a herald was sent with a message of truce to Sir Modred, and a treaty was made that neither army should assail the other. But when the treaty was agreed upon, and the heralds returned, King Arthur said to his knights, "'Beware, lest Sir Modred deceive us, for I in no wise trust him.' and if swords be drawn, be ready to encounter. And Sir Modred likewise gave an order, that if any man of the king's army drew his sword, they should begin to fight. And as it chanced, 
a knight of the king's side was bitten by an adder in the foot and hastily drew forth his sword to slay it that saw sir modred and forthwith commanded all his army to assail the kings so both sides rushed to battle and fought passing fiercely and when the king saw there was no hope to stay them he did right mightily and nobly as a king should do and ever like a lion raged in the thickest of the press and slew on the right hand and on the left till his horse went fetlock deep in blood so all day long they fought and stinted not till many a noble knight was slain but the king was passing sorrowful to see his trusty knights lie dead on every side and at the last but two remained beside him sir lucan and his brother sir bedivere and both were sorely wounded now am i come to mine end said king arthur but lo that traitor modred liveth yet and i may not die till i have slain him now give me my spear sir lucan lord let him be replied sir lucan for if it pass through this unhappy day ye shall be right well revenged upon him my good lord remember well your dream and what the spirit of sir gawain did forewarn ye betide me life betide me death said the king now i see him yonder alone he shall never escape my hands for at a better vantage shall i never have him god speed you well said sir bedivere then king arthur got his spear in both his hands and ran towards sir modred crying traitor now is thy death-day come and when sir modred heard his words and saw him come he drew his sword and stood to meet him then king arthur smote sir modred through the body more than a fathom and when sir modred felt he had his death wound he thrust himself with all his might up to the end of king arthur's spear and smote his father arthur with his sword upon the head so that it pierced both helm and brain-pan and therewith sir modred fell down stark dead to the earth and king arthur fell down also in a swoon and swooned many times then sir lucan and sir bedivere came and bare him away to a little chapel by the seashore and there sir lucan sank down with the bleeding of his own wounds and fell dead and king arthur lay long in a swoon and when he came to himself he found sir lucan lying dead beside him and sir bedivere weeping over the body of his brother then said the king to sir bedivere weeping will avail no longer else would i grieve for evermore alas now is the fellowship of the round table dissolved for ever and all my realm i have so loved is wasted with war but my time hieth fast wherefore take thou excalibur my good sword and go therewith to yonder waterside and throw it in and bring me word what thing thou seest so sir bedivere departed but as he went he looked upon the sword the hilt whereof was all inlaid with precious stones exceeding rich and presently he said within himself if i now throw this sword into the water what good should come of it so he hid the sword among the reeds and came again to the king what sawest thou said he to sir bedivere lord said he i saw nothing else but wind and waves 
"'Thou hast untruly spoken,' said the king. "'Wherefore go lightly back, and throw it in, and spare not.' Then Sir Bedivere returned again, and took the sword up in his hand. But when he looked on it, he thought it sin and shame to throw away a thing so noble. Wherefore he hid it yet again, and went back to the king. "'What saw ye?' said King Arthur. "'Lord,' answered he, "'I saw nothing but the water ebbing and flowing.' "'O oh, traitor and untrue!' cried out the king. "'Twice hast thou now betrayed me. "'Art thou called of men a noble knight, "'and wouldst betray me for a jewelled sword? "'Now therefore go again for the last time, "'for thy tarrying hath put me in sore peril of my life, "'and I fear my wound hath taken cold.' and if thou do it not this time by my faith i will arise and slay thee with my hands then sir bedivere ran quickly and took up the sword and went down to the water's edge and bound the girdle round the hilt and threw it far into the water and lo and arm and hand came forth above the water and caught the sword and brandished it three times and vanished so Sir Bedivere came again to the king, and told him what he had seen. "'Help me from hence,' said King Arthur, "'for I dread me I have tarried over long.' Then Sir Bedivere took the king up in his arms, and bore him to the water's edge. And by the shore they saw a barge with three fair queens therein, all dressed in black. And when they saw King Arthur they wept and wailed. "'Now put me in the barge.' said he to Sir Bedivere, and tenderly he did so. Then the three queens received him, and he laid his head upon the lap of one of them, who cried, Alas, dear brother, why have ye tarried so long, for your wound hath taken cold? With that the barge put from the land, and when Sir Bedivere saw it departing, he cried with a bitter cry, Alas, my lord King Arthur, what shall become of me now ye have gone from me? Comfort ye, said King Arthur, and be strong, for I may no more help ye. I go to the Vale of Avilion to heal me of my grievous wound, and if ye see me no more, pray for my soul. Then the three queens kneeled down around the king, and sorely wept and wailed, and the barge went forth to sea, and departed slowly out of Sir Bedivere's sight. The End Recording by Thomas Rose